Hello, welcome to the show. It is me, your, uh, I was going to call myself your humble host, but I don't think somebody that does three podcasts a week can call himself humble. So I am your host, Murder X Brian, as, as I am known on Twitter. And uh, I'm here, baby. I'm here to take your calls, all you you ghouls and goblins. And we do have room in the queue this week. If people don't start fucking calling, I'm going to get off early. But you know what? It's going to be nice. And, um, oh, I'm seeing uh, Bruit, B-R-U-I-B, in the uh, chat saying, uh, Bing Wah. Now, I don't know what that is about. But I will say this. Somebody told me you can get, well, see, I made it sound like way fucking smarter than, uh, uh, I made it sound way fucking smarter, but somebody said that you could get um, money. And this person is Bubba the Love Sponge that uh, uh, said that you could get money if you use Bing. So uh, I decided that I was going to start using bing so i never use new apps i'm using all the same he does but <laughs> sex j in the chat said bubba always has a way to make money he does hey i don't know why he doesn't have any so i don't know if he's the best guy for me to go by but he did tell me not me personally but he did say on his show if you use bing to search they will send you money so I fucking was like, I'll just put Bing on my phone. And then I, yes, uh, cop, copy. I can't say that, but go ahead and call, call in about being a labor organizer. We like talking about that, or I do. Um, but, uh, but Bubba like said that you could do it. So I decided to do it. And what I did was, since I've never been able to talk myself out of using the same apps I've been using forever. Like I literally, I use, I use, um, let me see here. I use Twitter, the Gmail app. Uh, sometimes when I'm searching the Reddit app, it'll say switch to the app and I'm like, fine, whatever. And then AccuWeather and then texts. Like I don't, oh, YouTube premium, obviously. That's, that's a work thing though. Uh, YouTube premium. Uh, I got to use it for Shocktober, which uh, we're in the middle of right now, or uh, we're getting close to the end. We got, we got man cow this week and wrap up next week. Yes. We're bringing a wrap up back. I think you're just going to get, I don't know who the guest is this week. It might just be me and Chris, but I have got a fresh batch of man cow lies that I think are some of my favorite shit ever. Like I love man cow lies and brother. Did he lie? I mean, this fucking guy has been, has been lying and lying and lying. Uh, and I'll just give you a quick man cow lie. Uh, he did meet the Dalai Lama this year. So, uh, uh through Johnny Depp, he, he met, the Dalai Lama through Johnny Depp. I think he's decided that Johnny Depp is now like, a, like a conservative icon because he, I don't think he knows what happened 
between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. That I don't actually haven't heard him explain what he thinks happened. But he is so into Johnny Depp. He hates Amber Heard. And uh that is just what he's that that is that's one of the things he's into. But oh, I got lies about why he didn't take Stern's place after Howard Stern left, which let me tell you, it's an incredible lie. It is uh, uh, one of my favorite lies he's told. Not as good as I, I it's hard for me to talk about my favorite lies without mentioning that, you know, him talking to people before they die is actually my favorite lies like. uh, uh Oh, Jake Chinatown in the chat says, I bet you could get man cow on for like a free burrito. So here's what I'm thinking about doing. And this might not happen this year because I'm a coward or I'll have Chris do it because Chris is not afraid to ask people. I think I want to give man cow. I think I want to see if I can give man cow uh, five minutes without me on the show to talk to a bunch of communists which would be the listeners of the show to like try to convert our listeners into man cow listeners. And I thought, man, that would be a, like an incredibly funny thing, even just to hear him like explain what he thinks communism is. Cause I've been having a lot of trouble trying to figure out what he thinks communism is. Um, because I've been thinking about it and I, I think he just thinks communism is like Chinese. He never really says anything that is communism. Every time he brings it up, it's just like a Chinese thing. So I don't know. I don't know if he knows the difference between Chinese and communism, but I do think it would be extremely fucking funny to let him try to talk our listeners into, uh, to try to talk our listeners into turning whatever he is nobody knows what the fuck he is it's it's terrifying hey rocky four in the chat how are you uh it is going to be a year and yes a wrap-up show this year uh bob and tom uh truly made me sick i hate those men and i have more audio that makes made me dislike i like i didn't even play the worst audio because i was sort of afraid one of the things about this season that's been weird is that like I was kind of scared that people who like Bob and Tom would listen to the show because uh, they were like, it's not, um, it's not uh, uh, one of the things where it's like, okay, so it's not a show that people hate. It is a show that people have really strong feelings about. If that makes sense like they they listened to it with their dad they were they were out there like uh uh they heard it at work at their first job they like they have like a a feeling that they they like associate with bob and tom uh people really seem to like those guys and uh you know for years i've been calling them harmless which is why they never got an episode uh i hadn't given them any thought i hadn't i hadn't considered that they stink uh uh until i listened and then uh, the first thing i ever heard was the bushback mountain thing oh i haven't heard donnie baker yet uh but the bushback mountain thing 
which which was uh Bushback Mountain was the one that just opened with a guy saying if you like Brokeback Mountain you're queer and it's like uh the craziest shit in the world like these guys were saying some like really fucking edgy stuff and then people were like hey you can play it on the school bus it's like no none of the stuff I played should have been played on the school bus so um just a a, a a real funny like kind of people but oh i you know i have this week too uh uh my daughter uh got laid off and cried which is you know that's crazy but i guess it's your first job you know what i mean you get laid off uh uh and she was bummed and, and i think it's mainly it's a funny thing I, i'll bring this up it's like this funny 18 year old uh outlook on life where i said hey uh you know why don't you go apply at one of the other 87 coffee shops in our neighborhood i mean we live in a high coffee shop neighborhood i think that's why i moved here was all the coffee shops i didn't drink coffee but i had heard that coffee shops are where cool people go so i said you know what I'm going to move here and uh, learn to drink coffee. So I did. Mm. I told her she should go. And uh, I told her she should, she should, uh, uh, you know, go apply at the other place. And she said, oh, I know, but I, my friends, I, I, I'm going to miss my friends at my job. And it's like, bro, you're going to miss your, you're going to miss your friends. Like this is going to happen to you a million gajillion times. And it's sad. But uh, I, 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 I guess like they close. So what happened is they closed another store in their like thing. And uh, those people that worked at that store got to come to my, my kid's store. And uh, now it's done. It's like kind of, uh, 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 you know, they, they fired all of the teens that they had hired to open the store at the beginning. But they... Uh, we're like, hey, can you come in to work like for the next two weeks just while they're closing the other store? <laughs> and like, I don't think in my mind that I don't think that anybody would ever ask an adult to do that. I don't know if you're in the chat or you're on the phones or anything like that. You Let me know. I've never heard an adult ask to work once they're fired or laid off. You know, I've never heard that. I mean, she did. She's a good kid. She's nice. But uh, people are like, oh, she should steal. And I, I don't think she stole. Uh, but she did bring me home those tablets that you put in the dishwater at work to clean, to like clean the flavors and stuff out for my water bottle. So I'm like incredibly over the moon for that. I am glad she got that. And and brought it to the house and uh now i have that so happy about that not happy that they got that they fired her. I, th I think it fucking sucks i think it sucks to like tell these teenagers like yeah you're just like not as important as, and i think that's why they hire teenagers by the way like i i, I think that a lot of the, the the teenagers getting hired is because you can lay them off and they'll come to work you know you can lay them off and ask them to come in and then they will come in because they don't want to fuck over the other workers, which is great. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I, I feel the solidarity thing, but it is like weirdly playing on this kind of strange loyalty that you're supposed to have, but nobody has. So I don't know if you're a, a um, I, I don't know if you've, you've ever been laid off. Alexander Cheney in the chat said they laid off a large number of people at the factory where my brother works, including him, and have expected them to keep coming in for the next nine days as normal. Like, how do you fucking say that to somebody? I've never had this happen in my life. I get laid off, and maybe they just figured, like, if I ask Brian to come in when he's laid off, he'll tell me to eat shit. <laughs> That's the best. That's the best thing uh, uh, that I could think of. And right, right, right. Alexander in the chat says, and he has to because he needs the money. And that is like a really good point too. Right? Is that like she's she's trying to 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 uh, uh, get as much money as she can out of the place. But it was interesting because I posted that on chat, like about uh, uh, you know. Uh, she's trying to get the, the the best the most money out of the place and they're like but they're getting the most money out of her too and it just i've never heard of it i've never heard of that i've never heard of the uh impulse to to make people not make people they couldn't make them but she worked a fucking double a fucking double the week they laid her off took her picture off the wall and put it back what they call the graveyard where all the fired pictures are uh, just a, 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 a real, real fucking real kicking the nuts to a kid. You know, she's applying to colleges and shit, and some of them aren't even in the state. So she, she'd have probably had to quit anyway. But I, I, I think it just, I think like getting, I never got fired in my life. I'm going to tell you that. I think I've said that on the show. Um, I've never been fired. I've been laid off twice. I uh, uh, was a roofer and I don't even know if I really got laid off. They were like, hey, do you want to be laid off? And I said, yep. And they were like, well, you are. So that's how I got laid off at the roofing company. But uh, um, as far as like all the other jobs, I, like, I've talked about this with the cable company. Like I was fucking trying to get fired. I tried very hard to get fired there for months and months and months and they just wouldn't do it. I think it was because they liked me. It was like I'd been there for like eight, six years. So it was kind of like, well, you know, the boss was like willing to put up with a little more from me. But like I tried, I did everything. I did everything you could do to get fired without because, you know, there's obviously that minefield of like, well, you got to get fired. Uh, but you got to get fired in a certain way to get unemployment. So that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get fired in such a way that I would be fired. I would get the unemployment and then be done. So didn't work out, ended up quitting and just not getting unemployment, which was uh, not great for my money situation in my home. But, uh, you know, what are you going to fucking do? Uh, so... I think we're going to go to the phones again. We have a couple of spots in the queue. If you want me to do this all night, you're going to have to call in. All right, here we go. Let's take our first phone call. Well, hello there. You're our first caller tonight. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Um, yes, you're talking to Grayson uh, from Orange County, California. Also, Fixer Punk in the chat. 
Uh, thank you for taking my call tonight, Brian. Grayson, first call. You're always the last call. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just had some time. I want to make sure that, that, that I got in sooner rather than later because I've tried after afterwards and the queue's been full the weeks that i've tried so i thought let me yeah when i have the chance let me get in there well how you doing grayson what's up so um i i'm doing i'm doing pretty well um i just had some sort of uh, kind of a uh some interesting thoughts uh around around the management of actually i'll, I'll start with the fun, i'll start with a real funny anecdote um my um uh, I have a, I have a younger, I have a younger cousin and, um, I, I mentioned the name street fight radio at the dinner table for some reason at a family party. This was months ago. And, uh, and, and his sister actually said, he's like, Oh yeah, he's into, he's into street fight radio. And I was like, this 14 year old is into, is into your show. And I'm like, weird. And then, and then he responded, he said, no. No, I'm into Street Fighter, the video game, not Street Fight Radio. Yeah, yeah, I'm all, I am. I wish I invented Street Fighter, Grayson. That would be great. Yeah. I I probably wouldn't be doing radio. (laughs) (laughs) I'm worried about Bear, too, Nateroni. Let me look at the queue real quick. Bear might be on. Oh, no, I don't think Bear is on the queue uh maybe i don't know i don't know who's who really necessarily as well um so so uh uh yeah yeah what's going on what's going on grayson um i had a um i was having some sort of interesting thoughts around um around like um online mutual aid and philanthropy and kind of the obstacles around that um because i i seen a lot um i don't know why i don't know why maybe my maybe my social media feeds have gotten a little skewed um but i've been seeing just a ton of um hard luck stories basically of people that are seeking assistance and they're asking people to give them money online and things like that and seeing that all of i guess every system possible is is failing them and and there are just so there are so many of them piling up but it seems like they're all relatively simple fixes now, part of this sort of a skeptical part of my mind is like, okay, are the, are these things for real? Um, are are people perhaps lying online, posting this stuff, and that's why I'm extremely I tread extremely carefully around any of that stuff. Um, but then I start to think about, okay, I I'm also seeing a bunch of headlines, um, a bunch of stuff in in publications around philanthropy there's you see very very large numbers thrown around very often of money that's going into very very good causes but it it tends to be very very technical and very specific like it seems like there's an intention to help people most of the time when grants are given out um, from large donors or foundations but they tend to be they tend to always steer around helping people's individual needs directly and I started to think back to a little bit of my understanding of tax law. Um, I'm by no means an expert, um, but I did. I took some. I took some tax-related courses um, in college and some pre-law coursework. Ultimately, wound up with a degree in political science. Kind of a long story, um, but I was thinking there may be sort of a structural thing going on with in terms of direct assistance, which we know that there are some studies that are showing that. 
that that providing people direct cash assistance for their needs is potentially more helpful than 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 providing like a specific in kind service or program which obviously there's a there's a need for both but i see there's sort of like an underfunding of things that are of tech forms of assistance that are more flexible and obviously in that vacuum then you've had all these like mutual aid online groups um that are anonymous yeah, that, and difficult to verify and things like that the gofundme um, stuff that like the the gofundme stuff where it's like the 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 uh, um or gofundme there's the venmo there's there's the cash app stuff like that and those are a very specific uh, uh indictment i think of like the unemployment system the welfare system that i i think yeah. a lot of the people who are 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 and this is this is something i i i, I complained about on twitter the other day about uh two i spent two hundred dollars on college applications for my daughter this week so that she could she could go to school and it's like well what if i mean what if i couldn't afford and i really couldn't you know i don't have a ton of money but uh what if i couldn't afford the two hundred dollars like what would happen and somebody responded and said well you can get assistance i can't like i am in there is a weird spot that most people land in that are like wow i could really use some fucking help uh but i there's none sort of there for me and i think a lot of people fall into that spot of like you know i talked about my mom a couple weeks ago how how she's on food stamps she gets 18 dollars a month and uh that isn't food yeah. you, like you can't buy any fucking food with that so she borrows forty dollars <laughs> here forty dollars there off of off of me to to get by and i think that's what a lot of the uh gofundmes and stuff like that the, the fundraising things uh for individuals has been too it's like if you get like yeah. i don't i'm not like i'm not like trying to get a fucking service i just need money there isn't like a service for me for my needs i just want money and who has i i just always felt like it's specifically with like food stamps and stuff too it's like just just fucking give them the money like you can just give them the money but there is this narrative going on right now out there that like Joe Biden gave us money, which Trump gave us money too, but the Joe Biden gave us money and that's why inflation happened. So I think that's one of the reasons people are sort of freaking out about yeah. direct cash payments. Yeah. What I also want to bring up is in terms of like philanthropy itself is that, is that even if you did not want to claim a tax deduction on it, to give people direct cash is somewhat I guess frowned upon in the in the charitable world to an extent, even though there are ways to do it, because there are certain technicalities in the tax code that I guess aren't terribly clear to a lot of practitioners. And I started to do some research on this. Again, I am by no means an expert. I'm coming onto the show here because in the chance that maybe somebody who is an expert can chime in um, or someone with more experience in this. But it seems like um, it seems like there's there's a lot more paperwork involved, um, like let, from a tax deductible 501c3 to give somebody a direct cash payment. You have to like document the purpose and the need, and sometimes kind of I guess it's sort of frowned upon. Other than in terms of disaster relief, so I looked at some of the guides that are out there for mutual aid groups. A lot of them were written during COVID, and they're written around the 
um, disaster relief payments exception with only a little bit of commentary about the other ways to do so. And then you do have, obviously, let's say, because I was thinking of this, let's say I was, I was some kind of multimillionaire or billionaire or I was advising one, and they wanted to help all these people with individualized needs, providing um, individually tailored and customized assistance to their needs for things that people, of the kind of stuff that people would post online for. And if I want to do that, even without taking the tax deduction, um, there is a vehicle for that. You could form, uh, and then to minimize liability, you could form a philanthropic LLC. Um, but those, um, you have to make sure that the money that you're putting in and giving out is not classified as business income because those are, those are technically business vehicles. What it looks like is mm. there are ways to do it, but because there's sort of an inconvenience from it from a legal perspective, it's kind of become the practice of, okay, we're never going to be able to give people cash. So what can we do instead? We can give people food. We can give people um, job training. We can give people certain specific, certain specific items, um, but we cannot just, and we can't just change. Like if somebody needs something that we don't offer, we can't just change the programs, the procedures, because they're set in stone and, and codified for legal re and regulatory reasons around the tax code. And this is one of the weird areas where politicians who are friendly to sort of the mutual aid model and why I think that electoral politics can matter a little bit is because you can, even from a presidential standpoint, you, I, I believe tax regulations around these kinds of things can be at least clarified through executive order and, and regulation to say, well, yes, if your organization wants to give $100 to a homeless person to help them, uh, to help them with, with paying for an application fee for, uh, for, for a place to live and they, and they already are in your system or, or whatever and they, they're ready to go, then that's an acceptable use and making things very, very clear, or at least publicizing the already existing exemptions um, to the community, to the community of, of organizations that have money or that give grants. Um, I'm not sure how much of a behavioral change that would be, that would lead to, but it certainly could help because you also have sort of this crisis of like, I've seen people posting about their mutual aid groups kind of going wrong where you, because every single, all the money is going into one person's cash app or one person's Venmo account. And I'm like, from my little experience with like entrepreneurship and business, I'm like, this should really be going into a business account. It should be going under some sort of entity so that the I, money can't just randomly be stolen by somebody. And I, I'm not really sure. I, we did run a thing early on. We didn't run it, but let me be clear. This did not, was not something we ran, but there was like a, Within our Facebook group, there was a, a a sort of mutual aid fund that was like a uh, pot that people could get a few bucks out of if if they needed it. Uh, we didn't want to, we didn't want to uh, uh, be involved with, uh, not involved, but you know what I mean. Things yeah. can get nasty, yeah, uh, uh, very fast when there's money, and um, yeah. But I just think that like. It is one of those things that bums me out a little bit is that like when I needed money, when I needed money for ketamine treatments, I have uh, 35,000 followers and they can just sort of, uh, uh, I can make that money pretty easy. And uh, uh, 
what ends up, but like people, um, fuck, where was I? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can make it pretty easy, but people with less followers, you know, I, I get, I get the same few people every week, you know, saying, Hey, can you retweet my, my thing? And it's just like, I, we need like something for, you know what I mean? Like we need something a little bit easier to kind of, uh, deal with to get people. But I get what you're saying about if there was a way to have a sort of, I mean, you know, I'm very much like I, I, uh, what's the word I waffle on stuff a lot. So sometimes I'll be super inspired and really excited to, to, to take a thing on. And then sometimes I'm like, the world's always going to suck. It's just, and I'm in one of those periods right now The I'm in one of those, like, ah, the world just sucks. It's never getting fixed. Um, but like, I think that like, which is a negative thing. Don't be that way. I just feel that way right now. And I'm sure it'll change at other times, but like, um, I feel like the, the, the only thing I feel even like doing is like, I'll donate to the GoFundMes. I'll retweet when they get it. But like, that's only gonna work so long. That's gonna go, that all is gonna go away. I mean, I, I have, I have retweeted stuff and immediately gotten DMS like this is a scam. And, uh, that's, that is tough because like, I don't know if it's a fucking scam as a person that has a hard luck story. Uh, I'll go ahead and retweet it because it retweeting costs nothing. It's, it's less than no money. So acid horizon podcast. Thank you for saying hi. I will, I'll give a big up to you too. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. So we kind of have to bring together, the way I see it is we have to bring together the world of, of more like conventional uh, philanthropy and systems with the more individualized mutual aid um, approaches that can serve people's indi- uh, individual needs. And I think there is room for progress because just to say a few years ago when I started to like get into reading like stuff about anarchism and, all, and, and left forms of libertarianism, um, a lot of that stuff was the theory and nobody was even talking about it. Nobody was even talking about like co-ops and there was a lot of growth in, in mutual aid during COVID to the point where even that guide that I found, I think it's like, like the Sustainable Economies Law Center or something like that, um, exists. Um, but now you even have mainstream um, um, social entrepreneurship conferences that are talking about, they're talking about co-ops as being a viable model in 2022 and back in 2017, 2018, when I was still in the thick of it with, conser- with, the, with conservatives and reading about these things, uh, it just seemed like it was all just theory. So I think there is, there is hope to try to do enablement and technical assistance to these kinds of things going on in communities and, and sort of bring the, the, and sort of bring the two worlds together, because obviously you don't want somebody who's constantly recurringly asking for, asking for money online or having to constantly receive assistance. You don't, and that points to a major systemic problem. And then that's where, mm-hmm. that's where um, legislative advocacy of course comes into play. And if you identify a pattern in those, um, but well, I think there's sort of a great. need to break down silos there. Yeah. Well, Grayson, tell people where to find your stuff. Grayson, you're a sweetie. Yeah. Thank you. So yes, um, it, uh, I have the Fixer Punk podcast. I haven't done an episode in like a month, so I probably need to pull something new. So it's at 
F-I-X-E-R-P-U-N-K.com. Um, you can also find it on all the major platforms. My TikTok is very frequently updated with all kinds of content in this area, as well as personal and social change overall. Um, that's also the same name, FixerPunk, F-I-X-E-R-P-U-N-K. Twitter is Grayson Nation, G-R-E-Y-S-O-N-N-A-T-I-O-N. Thank you so much, Brian, and I really appreciate Thanks, Grayson. Um, having the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, have a good night. You're welcome. Oh, Grayson called in and talked about mutual aid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I uh, uh, you know, I'd love to build a place like that where where we can help people. But sometimes I just get sometimes I just get so freaking sad. Um, let me answer this next call. Oh well, hello there. Who am I talking to tonight? Hi, this is Rory in Chicago. Rory in Chicago, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. So I actually wanted to call in about wrestling, if that's okay. <laughs> yes, obviously, <laughs> always. I would love to talk about wrestling. <laughs> Wonderful. So basically, I am a woman nearing 30 who this year just got into wrestling, which I had never watched as a child or anything. I was like a theater kid. And I have been realizing as this year has gone on that I basically picked like the craziest year possible to start watching wrestling. I mostly follow AEW, but like with Vince McMahon finally being ousted this summer and then brawl out, it's just, it's been quite a year. This documentary uh, uh, about Vince, that there's a documentary about Vince. I don't even know if it, it maybe did come out. That's, you know, that's something that Vince thing is, is something that was like really mind blowing to me. It, it was like, uh, you know, I thought we lived in a world where a guy like that would never and you know what he didn't get punished that's what bugs me too is we're we're looking at this world like oh he got punished he lost his company it's like he's still a billionaire and he should probably go to jail i mean for several fucking things that he did but this specifically seems like he could go to jail for it and uh uh yeah it is a wild year things things have changed tremendously over they just change so fast. Think, uh, things happen very fast. And uh, uh, this year has been pretty fucking wild. All I follow right now is AEW. I don't have like a, uh, uh, I haven't watched uh, WWE in a long time. That I like the indie stuff, but what drew you to it as a uh, theater kid? I'm curious about that. Yeah, so... Um... I like really loved musicals, especially as a kid. And I like did it very seriously all through school. And like, I went to college for theater. I was like, I'm going to be an actor. And then, and I, you know, came from like an upper middle-class family where I didn't have to work until I graduated college. And so then I did, and I got into the real world and I was like, Oh, work sucks, including being a working actor. And the reality of that is like, you have to do two full-time jobs if you want to do that as someone who isn't like a trust fund kid. And so I pretty quickly, like in the years um, after college quit acting and also like I got radicalized. And so like those first few years after college was me kind of realizing like how the world works um, and going from like liberal to leftist. And so 
the thing about musical theater is it's so expensive to make that it ends up just being this really bourgeois art form where like you have to, it's like a movie. You have to have millions to do it for the most part. Like there are still like little indie shows that make it, but they're rare. And so as the years have gone on, I've been more disillusioned and also like, um, it's one of those things where I like, I just kind of talked out where I was like to keep being really interested in this. It's like the only stuff that's coming out anymore is like, Disney movie, the musical, or like eighties movie, yeah. the musical. Um, so, it's either like so it's Frozen it's or like Pretty Woman, the musical. So like I kind of was done with that, and I started seeing like gifts online of wrestling. And I honestly, hearing you mention it on the podcast a little bit, like one of the first things that clicked for me is when you said that it was improvised because what little I'd seen of it, I was like, this fight choreography is messy. Like just because I like studied that in school. But then I was like, oh, they're improvising in the moment. And also I was just like bored and lonely. And I like messaged someone I follow and I was like, how do I get into wrestling? And they're like, oh, like my friends watch it on Discord and they happen to watch AEW. And then I just got hooked. <laughs> yeah, I, I am curious though. Like, so I, I want to ask about the musical theater stuff because I've never, I, I, I have never been mm -hmm. into it. Like also feel like, like, a couple years ago, uh, several years ago, it wasn't a couple years ago, and 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 I've been in New York, but I've never been to Broadway, but or I've been on Broadway. Obviously, I've never seen a show though. <laughs> um, uh, there was a thing, the Book of Mormon, I think, came through. Yeah, years and years ago, and I was like, I'm gonna go, I I'm gonna go see that, um, because I'd heard people talk about it, and you know. It, this was a different Brian that was into like South Park stuff <laughs> and shit. And uh, I looked at the tickets and they were so fucking expensive. I just couldn't yeah. believe it. Then I, then I, you know, started making a little bit more money and, and the green day one came through Columbus, oh, super yeah. expensive. And I'm like, how do people get into this? Like, how do people who don't have, loving parents or money mm -hmm. to because like i mean i you know if my daughter was in the musical theater i would have actually done it you know like i would have taken her to shows for sure yeah like it wouldn't have been because i care that she see the things she want my parents on the other hand did not give a shit or have the money for it so it seems like it is like sort of almost like yep mirrors movies too in a way and that like they only make certain um they only make certain like things and it's all like just rehashing ip in that yep. world too <laughs> is this all we have in this whole world yeah exactly so like tickets are gonna run you like 200 dollars minimum and so if you can't afford Crazy. that and also if you don't like live in a major city where the tour comes through or you can never afford to go to new york you're only getting it through one, the cast recordings, like the soundtrack, um, and just kind of like piecing together stuff. And two, there's like this underground world of bootlegs because a big problem with Broadway is that they could professionally film all of them and release them. Like Hamilton did that um, and put it on Disney Plus. And so a bunch of people mm -hmm. have been able to see that one. But most shows don't do it. And 
it's like really illegal. And so there's this whole underground like sharing economy of people who like film stuff on their phone and then they put it online, but like people don't sell it to each other. They like trade it. It's this whole thing. Um, but it's still like a phone video. And so it's not that good. And you kind of mm-hmm. have to be hardcore to want to watch that. Cause it's like not going to be that good quality. Um, but that's exactly the problem. And I think that's one of the things that really interested me in wrestling was that it felt like this, mm-hmm. like, performance performing art of the people um and like i'm going to aew right before thanksgiving and like it's i mean the fees are expensive but still like i was able to get like for less than 50 bucks a ticket like with fees and everything and like that's way different than 200 dollars. yeah i um i was living in la and so i went in june and i saw mjf do his like promo where he like called um Tony Khan a fucking mark. It was wild. <laughs> I'll tell you that, like, I think that's one of the other things I I sort of love about it is, like, there isn't, you don't, you know, I don't hear a lot of other sort of, um, I don't hear of a lot of other art forms where look, we don't even know at all what's what's real what's fake, yeah. what is scripted. It's a very, 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 I think it's a, it's a strange world that nothing else can exist in. Like there isn't ever going yeah. to be, there isn't ever going to be something like this, that, that, that like we have all the facts a lot of times, most of them. And even if we have all the facts and we know this thing is true, we know this happened, we still have to have in our mind, a, a seed of doubt like did they like a perfect thing when when mjf called tony Khan a fucking mark i mean as yeah. far as i can tell now that was like a scripted thing that was supposed to happen as far as i can tell now but at the time it felt like well why would he say that on tv but then also at the time they edited it off of tv so it was kind of like mm-hmm. maybe they knew it was coming <laughs> You know, I know they run a delay, but it's just like, I don't know. There's something about, and and every form of entertainment could stand to learn about, to learn like some sort of, of mat, like there is some sort of magic in like people only knowing you as this person. I, I think, he, you know, did talk about like Daniel Day-Lewis who runs around on the set of his movies as the character. Like it sounds fucking really annoying to me, but it's yeah. probably very effective. You know? <laughs> I don't know. As someone who's like trained an actor in my experience, the people who do that just, yeah, like they're just annoying to work with. Cause like yeah. to me, the best actors can drop in and out of it. And like the only times I've dealt with people who are like kind of method actors, they're really bro like, men who are trying to like prove their masculinity <laughs> um, oh yeah so, like i'm an yeah, I'm, a, but, I'm a actor but i'm also tough like that kind of guy yeah it's like i'm so serious i never stop doing this and it's like no one's like grading you on that metric like <laughs> it's it's more interesting to like be able to put it on and take it off um yeah uh but oh something i wanted to tell you is i totally fucked up you mentioned you were gonna go to Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. And I was like, oh, let me tell him about this. And then 
the next time I listened, you were like, I'm back. And I was like, oh, shit. But there's this company called Micro Wrestling Federation out of Pigeon Forge. And it's all little people wrestlers. Uh, and it is so I, fun what I've seen online. I should, I, I should have gone. I, they come through town here sometimes. And uh, Yeah, I was uh, going to say they tour so you can still see them. Yeah. I, I mean, and the other thing about wrestling that I think is... You know, you were talking, we were, we were talking about the prices of like going to musical theater and stuff like that. It's like, uh, yes, you can get into an AEW show for less than $50, but you can get into an indie show for less than $20. Yeah. Like there are indie shows that you could go to and people are like, oh, I want to see the big stars. It's like the indie shows are just as fun, maybe more fun. Oh, yeah. A lot of times. You know, somebody's talking, uh, Crust Monk in the chat said, remember when Jared Leto was doing weird stuff to practice being the Joker? Yes, I do remember that. He's an idiot, though. Didn't he send somebody a rat or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's just, as uh, I think Allegory said in the chat, like, it's never someone being a method actor to be nice. Um, it's just like an excuse to be a dick. Yes, you're right. You're right too. It's it's it's. I can act like fucking. Uh, um, they're always like 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 an action star. Like the, none of these people yeah. are ever like a method acting as a shy person who is kind and wants yeah. to be nice. To <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, you're totally fucking. That is so funny, and I you know. It is, I wish, I, I actually talking to you though, currently, I kind of wish, uh, uh, I kind of, I kind of wish like musical theater was as available as wrestling. I, I, I think that's yes. like, that <laughs> yeah, seems that's like, like the it, thing it that seems... people, people say they're like, if we professionally shot every musical and then like once it closes, because most of them close after a few months because it's all, you know, they don't make enough money. Um, but like so many more people would get into it because something, one of my like hills that I'll die on is that people say, I don't like musicals. And I'm like, okay, I get it. They can be really corny and cringe. I own that. However, like, did you like The Lion King? Did you like any of the Disney movies from the 90s? Because those are musicals and like, they were very intentionally written by people who are like musical theater writers and structured the way Broadway musicals are. They're just animated. And, um, and I'm like, I also think that there's a musical for everyone. Like um, there's actually uh, t real tangent real quick. There's this guy, Michael Friedman, who unfortunately has passed away, but he wrote this like weird sort of emo folk punk musical about Andrew Jackson called bloody bloody Andrew Jackson. That was briefly on Broadway. I think Matt Christman mentioned it as like a musical he's seen. Um, and it's just like really cool and weird. And like, um, definitely Hamilton would not exist without it because it was just doing something really different. But that guy also, he wrote a bunch of stuff that, um, didn't get to be like produced before he died. And so um, this theater company like made cast recordings of everything he did. And he was, before he died, he had written a Paris commune musical and like, like there is stuff out there. It's just, you know, not being produced at a high level. Um, Cause like, <laughs> like leftist musical theater doesn't sell. 
Um, well, it's interesting like, that what we're, have to look it's for it. Like there's, there's punk musicals and stuff. They're just kind of like in the shadows. It's actually interesting because we're talking about this sort of thing that like, uh, is completely shut off from a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure their excuse, I'm sure the reason that the musicals, these, these Broadway shows, these plays, I'm sure that they say it's the cost, but, uh, you know, AEW and WWE travel the country and put on, put on shows, you know what I mean? With enormous yeah. rosters with, with all the staging and all the lights and all the stuff. I know that most of it happens, you know, in, in the ring or in the arena, but like, you know, they take a bunch of people on the road too, you know, and, yeah, and it's, they're it's able really to keep similar. the price down. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it exactly. feel, that, like, that's I where you start to feel. Of... Oh, it's where you start to feel that they're keeping you out intentionally, I guess. You know? Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say is that like part of like what I think makes musicals appealing is that they are this like exclusive thing that like, <laughs> like East Coast rich liberals can be like, oh, like if you haven't seen Hamilton, you haven't lived and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but like, I also feel like um, when I tell my old friends like, oh, I'm into wrestling now, they laugh. But then they're like, actually, that does make perfect sense. Because, yeah. like, when I explain it to my theater friends, the way I put it is that, like, I've, like musical nerds love to talk about how it, like, evolved out of vaudeville, which was this, like, traveling the country musical act. But since getting into wrestling, I actually really feel like they're both from the same origin and they branched off. But given how bourgeois musicals have become wrestling is the true inheritor of the vaudeville legacy with these performers who are, like, traveling the country um, you know, like selling their show and, you know, Carney is an insult, but I also think that it is like, if you strip away the connotation, it's really accurate to what they do. And I also think like a reason people don't like musicals in addition to the cost is that like, it's gay, it's feminine, it's really campy. That's... But I also think that like wrestling is too, and it can, it benefits from leaning into that. Sometimes like when I'm watching it, I'm like, these guys just need to take like a, <laughs> an acting class or like a voice class and like, they'll be good. And I think honestly, that's part of why MJF is so unique and really, really good is that like he, you know, there's sort of the thing about how he was like on the Rosie O'Donnell show when he was five. And like, I think he was on his high school's like um, acapella group or something. Like he clearly yep. has that like very musical theater style training. Like he can sing really well. Like he knows how to enunciate his words, like, and project his voice and like he clearly has like on some level some acting training like and those things help and I and or someone like Dalton Castle I feel like wrestling is at its best when people are like really embracing how campy it is and like mm -hmm. you know there's a place for people like John Moxley and like the Blackpool Combat Club like I think because it's about variety um and like contrasting styles make a fight really fun but like when everyone is, and this is something I tire of with AEW, like, especially as a woman, I'm like, oh my God, give us a fucking break. The women are so short. Um, what is the word? Short shifted. Um, but uh, if everybody's like Blackpool Combat Club, like I'm a serious guy who likes to fight, like it gets so boring to me so quickly when like 
like the fact that it's surround, it's all about these feuds between two men. And like my high school theater teacher used to say, people only get this close to each other's faces when they're about to fight or fuck. And like, <laughs> when you have like a really good feud, like it's homoerotic. And like that well, to me, that's just like an undeniable truth of it. And I just, I, I love it when it leans into that. Um, and like, I, I know musicals could learn from wrestling. And so it's, I don't know. I just think it's, this really interesting interplay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, uh, uh, I, I lean more on the, uh, like, so the things I like, I like the carny stuff. So I, I would never think yeah. of calling it carny as being like an insult, but I, I really enjoy, like, I really enjoy the guys that, that go out that, like, Okay, so in AEW, there's not a lot of these guys. There's maybe one or two. Uh, but you see them a lot more on the indies. Uh, I like the guys who see how much they can get out of a little bit, like without doing yeah. all the athletics. They go in there. I, I mean, I always tell people that, like, these are both very bad guys before I say this. <laughs> but, like, if you watch that oh, WrestleMania yeah. <laughs> match between the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, they do three moves. And the crowd mm. is fucking losing their minds. I also think another thing that wrestling wrestlers are have that other people don't is like a lot of them do come out and they're trying to get you to not like them, which is totally not anything that people do, you know, in, in anything except probably theater and wrestling. Like, Getting yeah, people to like boo the, you and the hate job you and of appeal you. is so unique. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it. I think that's like an incredible thing too. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I think like obviously, like I think that I like that people like. I like that people like the campy stuff, and I like. I like like I as long as they can work wrestle as long as they can wrestle i'm very happy you know what yeah. i mean like with orange cassidy that's not like really a, yeah. a, a, a thing for me but he's really good and uh he won oh, yeah. me over because i was like oh, i don't want to see this bullshit and then like he ended <laughs> up winning me over over you know having matches and like I am, I, like I said, I fall on the other side of what a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but what a lot of people around me end up liking. I, I, you know, I'm, I mean, there mm -hmm. are very popular wrestlers that I really like and I do, I like Mox and I, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm into the tough guy thing, but that's because all my life, I think there's something that you read into with this kind of stuff too. Like all my life, all I wanted to do is be a tough guy. Like that was like yeah. my dream because I was a hundred fucking 10 pounds when I graduated high school, I was really thin. I was going to all these like heavy metal concerts and getting knocked around by guys in the mosh pit and stuff like that. And it was just like, man, I'd really like to be a tough guy. So I think when I watch wrestling, I'm like, I like the tough guys you know because it's what i want to do but i can also see uh uh but i can also see that like there are a lot of people who are like oh, i like i like orange cassidy because he does something interesting it's different it's artistic it's it's 
it's and I like the artistic stuff. And I like that too. Like I, I think it's great that people work their stuff out. And you know, you'd be crazy if you didn't think that even like John Moxley isn't figuring himself out. You know what I mean? Like he that's oh, yeah. a character. He's a weird dude, but yeah, I don't absolutely. think he's that weird. You know. <laughs> like yeah. go around asking people to beat him up good, weird. Yeah, and I think what makes him good is that like he's doing the tough guy thing, but like he still understands that it's still like a heightened elevated performance and that like yeah, like it is still for lack of a better word, I keep saying it, but it's camp in a way. Like it's Mm-hmm. like yeah. everyone is always performing their gender right like that's one of the ways of like looking at life and like in and like that includes wrestling and so even the tough guys like they're performing masculinity and I think John Moxley's one of the people who's like really good at it um like it's it's that's... grounded and it's real and it's like a tough guy who's like it's a hard one toughness um yeah being that, like, been through a you bunch know, you of can shit kind of see like, through a... A faker, like he's yeah, like he he made it through to get here, and so like it feels mm-hmm. real. Yeah, yeah, a guy that's been through a bunch of shit. Well, I'm glad that that we got you on the old wrestling side. You're watching the right company, the one I like, <laughs> and uh, uh, I I I really appreciate you calling. Call back anytime. Yeah, real quick, can I give my plug? Which is that. Um, yeah. Since I'm newly back in Chicago, I'm looking for, like, leftist wrestling friends because um, I think that's a specific niche of, like, people who like wrestling but also, like, believe oh, yeah. the world can be better. Or even, hey, even wrestling leftist um, musical theater lovers. So if that's you, <laughs> hit me up on Instagram. I only use it to message, but it's Rory Bex, R-O-R-Y-B-E-X, and we can go see uh, Freelance and AAW together. Yeah, I know I know some people there. uh, uh... I'll try to think of somebody, uh, but to put you in contact with. And uh, thank you for calling. Well, thanks so much for taking my call. Yeah, wrestling. Oh, this show is like for me, right? Wrestling, man, cow. I mean, what's going on here? Mutual aid. Hey, hey, who am I talking to tonight? It's Bear. Bear, people were worried about you. You're, I was yeah, worried I know. sick. I, I dipped out for a couple weeks. I was, I was busy getting some life stuff together. Oh, moving out? Um, not so quite. I am working I on that did. too, though. That's a dick thing I just did. It's that thing where somebody's like, I was getting some, some of my stuff together. And then you say something that like, like oh, you're moving out? No. Not that. Sorry, Bear. I mean, I uh, actually, I, you... I am. I'm, I'm working on moving out. I'm getting real close. I'm going to go look at a at an apartment place tomorrow. Um, okay, so I got to ask far, you. Not far from the tree. I got to ask you, though. Nice apartment? Are you going nice? Uh, because, Bear, we know you. Uh, We've oh. been talking to oh, you God. for no, nice, two years. Nice apartment. <laughs> No, I, I something something that I don't know if I've mentioned before. I grew up exclusively in a tweaker pad, and my friends all lived in tweaker pads. So the only <laughs> place to really go is up from where I came from. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I know that like you're willing to do, uh, uh really rough jobs. So I do know that, and I just think it is uh, uh, funny for me to say, 
uh are you moving into a nice but are you even moving into like uh, okay new apartment are you moving into the city i'm moving into um I, I am moving into a more of a city, but it's not really a city either, right? <laughs> um, it, it, it's a town. I will say that. There's stuff where I'm moving to. Nice. I'm proud of you, Bear. I know how it is. To yeah. move. I, I, so uh, the funny thing about me, I'll tell you, is that, uh, hi, Jeremy from the block. It's their first time catching Sundays live. I'm say hi. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm trying to say hi to the people because it's going to become a thing in a couple of weeks. So I'm trying to be like, hey, uh, uh, people in the chat. Yes, yes, yes. Because we're going to we're going to start we're going to start having some we're going to start goofing around on the old call in show in a couple of weeks. Um, oh, I moved man. out. I'm excited when, for some goofs. I, <laughs> I didn't move out right away. Like. I, I can't remember who it was. Okay, so my parents kicked me out when I was 19 years old. Hi, Cube Tube TV. My uh, uh, parents kicked me out when I was 19 years old because I wouldn't get a job because I didn't have a car. It was the whole thing. It, it was really unfair. I still mad at them about it. You heard me say mean things about them on the show. Um, still, still sort of mad at them, but they kicked me out. And uh, I moved in with a friend and his wife, which is, yeesh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, like a 19-year-old friend with his wife and kid <laughs> is what I moved into. <laughs> so, so I moved in with them, and I lived with them for a little bit, and then they got divorced. <laughs> so I moved in with the husband nice. um, in the divorce. He, he uh, uh, won me in the divorce. He still listens to the show. Hi, Zane. Uh, he, he won me in the divorce. I moved in with him, and I was the most deadbeat fucking roommate anybody's ever had. And then I uh, moved into back into my parents' house. But, like, me and my wife both had to move back into our parents' house. We were so fucking bummed. You know what I mean? High tech Texas Street Fighter. Um, we were so fucking bummed that we had to move back in. And what ended up happening was my wife moved in with her family. I moved back in with my family. And then she snuck me in her house every night. And I just slept there. And uh, uh, a funny story what? about that. What was that? I, I, I can give you a very funny story oh. about that. It is she would sneak me in. Her parents and all them would go to work. And then I would leave. I would have the whole day to kind of wander around the house before I went to had somebody pick me up for work or something like that. But I had nobody was there. So everything was cool. Right. Uh, one day, one day, her mom is like, uh, calls in sick. And I'm there and I can't get out of the fucking house because her mom is there. And I had to sit in my fucking wife's bedroom all day. I had to fucking pee too, like crazy. No cell phone, just fucking sitting and waiting for her to get home. It was like being in jail. Actually, it was it was really shitty. So, uh, uh, oh my yeah, god, don't you got to move out 
and then hope that you don't have to come back in, come back. That's the thing. That's what you want to do. Well, I, I, uh, I won't <laughs> is my thing. Um, I've been homeless before, like without my parents. And I find that preferable, honestly. Um, so <laughs> I mean, once I finally get like out ass. of there, out of there. Are your parents a total pain in the ass bear? Oh yeah, no, dude, they're they're awful. I mean, I don't. Yeah, it, it's to the point where like I, they're not really like my parents anymore. Is not how I view it. They're kind of just like really, really shitty roommates that are like paying my rent for me. Is how I prefer to view it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents hated me. I actually had this thing. I I went to Ozfest. The first year I went a couple times and the one the one in Columbus there was a riot. You can look it up. Ozfest ninety seven riot Columbus. We knocked down the fence, we flipped a couple cars, and uh I had a piece of the fence and I carved in Ozfest ninety seven and then some of the names of the bands. And my fucking parents were like, I thought that was trash and I threw it away and I'm like, I hate you. I fucking hate you so much. Uh, that that uh, fucking blows. <laughs> It wasn't worth anything and it wasn't it wasn't like worth anything and it wasn't ever going to be worth anything but I probably would have that mounted on my wall now if I if they didn't throw it away. The one thing that I've never hid from my parents and I just made them get over since I've been like somewhat of an adult is the amount of stolen property I have. I mean po- <laughs> people's political signs, stop signs, cones, traffic barrels, just all kinds of shit. I just, I, I don't know why I can't resist taking it and I never want to throw it out once I have it. Like the, the, the I, only one that they ever even bothered making a comment on was my Trump sign that I stole. And they're like, you fucking hate this guy. Throw this shit out. And I was like, nah, I like that. I stole it. Like, I don't, I want it in here now. I was so, that's very funny because like, uh, I was walking today as I do every day. And I walked by a JD Vance sign and I felt like, God damn it. I really feel like I should steal this, steal one of these. And sometimes I do stop in like public places. I, I going into somebody's yard at 43 years old and stealing their yard sign seems like, I don't know. seems like trouble really is what I'm saying. Like I could actually get in real trouble or shot or something. Um, but I keep seeing all these JD Vance. I don't know. I'd still be doing it at 43. I can't see myself ever <laughs> stopping. Yeah, I see the JD Vance signs everywhere and I hate them. It just that that guy makes me really mad. He's one of those guys that's running for office that like I don't pay attention to a lot of the races and stuff like that. You know, I got people I want to win. I want I got people that would I think would be better if they won, but, but in all honesty, most of the time don't know who anybody is. But JD Vance is so kind of famous that i want to steal his signs and uh okay i don't know maybe i will maybe i will steal some jd van sign you gotta you gotta do it um but i gotta ask you brian (laughs) are you actually registered to vote are you gonna go vote (laughs) am i gonna vote um shit i'm trying to uh i'm trying to think here let give me one second here uh champ champing that's the hardest name 
uh, said, what's up, Brian? My name's Chris. I'm a plumber at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. I'm in the middle of a grievance with the management for retaliation for standing up for my union contract rights. Callers and people you've had on the show sharing their experiences with union fights helped give me the courage to stand up to these motherfuckers. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. And also for the calls, you know, appreciate that. But, um, God, that's so, it, it is like one of those things of like, I should be stealing yard. I mean, I steal fucking everything else all day. Yeah. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I I'm always it. stealing. Yeah. I don't know why I don't take, can't, there aren't any in actually my neighborhood either. And I feel like my neighborhood is, would be safer to do it in. There is one down the street that says sick of, sick of the shit vote Republican. That one I should steal. There is, there was a billboard in our town uh, that they just had to take down because a bunch of people kept like throwing shit at it. And from my understanding, someone tried to light it on fire and nearly killed themselves. So now it's like getting taken down. Um, but there was a billboard in our town that just says, are you tired of it? Vote Republican. And it's just because there's like a bunch of Democrat ones that are like, protect democracy, protect reproductive rights. And that one's just, are you sick of it? You know, just no, no fucking platform. <laughs> the Democrat ones are super funny, too, because it's like protect democracy. And then you look online and you'll see like conservatives saying, Nancy Pelosi said not to worry about gas prices, to worry about protecting democracy. And you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. That is fucking effective. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I look at it and I'm like, if Nancy Pelosi and them are really fucking saying like, you know, complaining about gas prices is, is somehow problematic. And that like, uh, you have to vote for like this and that it's like, man, I mean, we gotta be worrying about gas prices. I, I just, gas prices drive me, are, I don't even, there's pain at the pump there. Gas prices aren't even that bad around here. I can't imagine really, what you guys are going through. I'm not even paying $3 a gallon. Oh yeah, it's three fifty a gallon. But outside of the city, though, Crust Monk said, "I see Joe and the Ho fucking everywhere." Yeah, I see a lot of Joe and the Ho shirts. When I was at Gatlinburg, every three people had a Joe and the Ho shirt. It's so crazy that people wear those in public. They would never. They aren't they the same people that complain because rap is about bitches and hoes and then they just walk around with a shirt oh my God. calling the vice president a hoe? Brian. I got, okay, you know the Anvil shirt that you guys released that says steal more shit on it? Yeah. I wore that. I, I, I pre-ordered it. I've been wearing it. Great shirt, by the way. I wore it into a gun store because I was going to buy a gun. And they told me to leave, like, immediately. <laughs> I didn't even think about it, but they were like, get the fuck out of my store. Yeah, you don't want to hand a guy, like, a gun. Like, can I look at that gun with a shirt that says steal more shit on it? <laughs> Might make him a little bit nervous. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like... <laughs> my brain didn't even, like, process it. I'm wearing my IWW hoodie and a shirt that says steal more shit. And I'm like, can you hand me some guns, please? That's a, that's a great <laughs> idea. Like, I don't... Acid <laughs> I don't really know the if that acid, process was there. <laughs> the Acid Horizon podcast says the Beanie Babies kiosk is pure let's go branding gear now. Now that is what I noticed too. Like every kiosk that exists, 
is extremely let's go Brandon. And you know what? The reason they're going to lose is because of gas prices. I, I Listen, you can come in here and you can say they can't do anything about gas prices. That don't fucking matter to people. <laughs> gas prices is what like it the 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 stuff that the stuff that like happens the 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 uh the way that they explain like well they can't do anything about it and it's like yeah but i mean we pretty much think they can like i i still think it's like come on they can fix gas prices how fucking hard could it be we've oh, seen like uh, a Lula. hard pull What was that? What? Huh? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say we've seen we've seen like a hard pull as far as like actual like number of people go. About you know, there's been a lot more people who are willing to vote now and who are voting Democrat. So I think we'll see a lot of Democrats actually winning. But on the other hand, I kind of don't want them to. Because as far as actual progress getting made and like mutual aid getting set up and social programs and like real change and people reading actual theory and stuff like that, we've seen such a vast increase in that in the past two years compared to like the past 50, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I've like, always said this and I'm not like an accelerationist or anything, but like people really are more willing to take to the streets when their party isn't in power is is it's always yeah i mean you don't see you don't i mean you're not seeing because joe biden's president and this happened in 2011 too you know like we started street fight in 2011 and i kind of talked about how i was like really 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 let down by obama and all these there were there was this crew of like libs on twitter that were just mostly assholes that wanted to be like abusive to to people so they would go on there and yell at you for not wanting to vote for obama and and uh uh i don't know that rubbed me the wrong way in a way not just because it like rubs me the wrong way for people to say you should just take on faith that this is going to be good like because what happens if the republicans are there but i watched occupy occupy wall street just totally decimated after once the Obama campaign started, like people just fucking went home. They weren't, they, they were yeah. out there really, really doing shit. And then people just had to go home and, and, and they voted and nothing happened. And, and that just always keeps happening. And I do really hate the idea of, uh, I do, I mean, I do really hate the idea of saying like, ah, voting doesn't matter, but it doesn't really matter. I don't think I, I just, I, you know, if you can get some good people in there, like, like, uh, AOC or something like that, I think it would, if she was able to do things, but like we get these people elected and, and then all we hear about is how they can't do things and not being able to do things like that's what I signed you up for was to fucking do things. I wanted you to do things, Joe yeah. Biden. I wanted you to do things, <laughs> and I'm a baby that throws a tantrum. I'm throwing a tantrum, and that is what I am. Like I can't help it if if I I watch the Democrats piss away a majority 
And then I'm supposed to just be like, well, yeah, they wanted to do the right thing, you know? Yeah. The, the way that I view it, though, right now, you know, because I, I am actually going to vote this year. It's the first time I ever gave a shit about voting. And it's because of a thing that my uncle said. And my uncle's like a massive fucking Bernie bro, right? Um, I keep trying to get him to listen to this show, but he won't. So uh, if you're out there, hey, Oster. If not, uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but People um, just listen to stuff you know, on their time. <laughs> <laughs> like you but can see like, him listening you know finding it and then saying like uh oh hey uh uh i found this show i mean that's how people are i have had people tell me to watch a movie and i'll fucking watch the movie like six years later and they'll be like uh uh i'll be like that movie was really great and they're like i told you and i was like yeah i waited until i wanted to fucking watch the movie but he was like you know you're right. He finally was like, you're right. Democrats don't do shit. But on the other hand, they don't do shit. Isn't it better to put it in stasis than to make it like actively worse? You know? Yeah. And like, I agree. You know, you have to kind of admit that it's right. It's right. It's a hundred percent right. It's, it's, they're not going to do shit, but they're not going to, you know, fucking turn schools into oil fields or whatever i don't know that was like the worst improv i've ever done uh but you know what i mean like they're just uh, i don't know uh, i might actually be in favor of turning schools into oil fields you know get get some get some unions going between these like uh, elementary get schoolers down. get that ga- get them price gas prices down but uh uh I I just yeah I mean I'll go I I generally will walk over I will vote and then I will like not think about it at all for the rest of the night and I don't ever know like what I'm doing I I just sort of like I don't I'm not passionate voting is like no work at all it's zero it's nothing and uh uh you can just fucking go in there and do it and uh be done with it you know you're not supposed to be done like our thing is that like if you if you don't if you vote and that's all you do that's nothing that's kind of less than nothing um but if if you do it and you also organize then that might be actually uh, uh that that or organize do do the things that you're trying to do these starbucks uh unions and pretty soon i hear there's going to be a chili's union um i'm pressuring you into doing that bear that's uh what i was saying oh um, i'm i'm quitting chili's where are you going i'm i'm, I'm like gone i'm, I'm getting a, yeah it's part of the life stuff i've been getting together i'm going to a honda dealership to be a to be a car maintenance guy <laughs> okay i thought you were gonna say sales salesperson and i was like no don't do it <laughs> don't do it Bear. no not a, not again i went I, I, do you remember again. when i did the roof sales job that i had for two days and on the second I day i walked out and the guy called me and i was like yeah i know this yeah. is bullshit yeah let me tell you something funnier i found out about that brian he apparently put me on speakerphone in front of all the other employees right yeah because he thought he was going to pull me back in. I found this out later because I ran into one of the other guys that went to the thing, right? 
Yeah. yeah. He put me on speakerphone because he thought he was going to pull me back into the grift and like make an example out of me. But instead, I told him how it was stupid and bullshit and how it was like a massive fucking scam and sales is fucking stupid and that we need to like do like real labor and actually contribute to our society and communities. And apparently two more people, including the guy I ran into later, got up and walked out of the room, too. I I mean, I like you at a car dealership. I'll say that. I think car dealership seems like a place where actually you will be able to call. Like, definitely your calls will be uh, funny because you'll be working with car salespeople, and uh, they're wild. And also, like... I'm really proud of you because you're 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 getting out of the line of fire, you know. You're getting out of the yeah. customer world, which that is everybody who works. I think I feel like that's their dream. Hey, I just don't want to deal with customers no more. Yeah, step one is stop dealing with customers, and step two is get salary. Right? Those are the, those are the two steps mm-hmm. to like the yeah, worker's dream. I think step. Stop, I, stop I do talking feel to people like and get out of hourly. I do think there's a step three in that, like, I think, like, if you're fully realized as, like, that sort of a worker, uh, and I never got this. I didn't make it there. I, you know, I, I, this happened for me before I got the chance, but my own desk is, it was a total dream for me. Like, I, all I wanted was my own desk, and I never got it. Really? I, I tried and uh yeah for me it was salary uh or a high hourly wage a desk so i didn't have to be outside and then like you know the 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 i didn't that the other issue is there i don't think there was a job for me in in that like the other issue was uh no uniform but also i think i wanted no I I think I not only didn't want no uniform, but I think I also wanted like no dress code, so I'd be able to come Dude, in in my like okay. t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> I so I I have a little life hack for this if you're willing to go through the time and effort, right? I got a <laughs> to get, what I do to get out of the uniforms mostly, right? I don't really care about like shirts or whatever, but I fucking hate having to wear jeans and dress pants like i can't do it right i only wear cargo pants ever i own 16 pairs of the exact type of the same type of cargo pants right yeah so what i did was i went and got a diagnosis for ocd which i probably actually have but i definitely made it seem like i had it to the therapist i saw twice and got a diagnosis for it and now I put that down on like my job applications. Like, oh yeah, by the way, I have really bad OCD. I can only wear this exact type of cargo pants. Don't worry, I'll like, keep them clean and shit. But I, I have to wear these pants. And they're like, that is yeah, sure, whatever. Who cares? God, that is like me back in uh, uh, when I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Um, I, me and my friends used to love to drive around and get high on friday night that was like kind of the friday night thing was go buy a quarter or a half ounce and drive around in my friend 79 nova around uh uh town and i was like um i told him i was like you know i really 
hate that this happens, but my mom has visitation of me on uh, Friday and Saturday every two weeks, and it just happens to be on payday. And uh, also, my mom lived in Kansas, and I was 17 years old. So I don't even think, but they, it worked. They fucking didn't. They had me off every other weekend because I had to go to my 17-year-old ass had to go to fucking visitation with my mom that I hadn't seen in like six years. It was genius, though. I've Hopefully always been very me. proud of that. Luckily for me, I am just really just enough that uh, I can claim that as exemption for Fridays and uh, Sundays. I don't work either of those days. Um, not particularly you because Friday or of any Sunday? actual religious belief. I just don't want to. Yeah. Well, that was mine. It was like, I don't want to work on payday. I think I requested a day off for payday and felt what it was like to get your check and be off. And I was like, yeah, I got to do something where I can have this all the fucking time. That would be the best for me. I love the OCD thing. I, I wonder if other listeners could pull it off. You know, street fight, uh, listeners are cargo pants people. Uh, so they'd probably like, or, you know, I guess it's cargo pants are, are also, I would say cargo pants are closer to dress pants than jeans. So they're probably cool with it. You know, it's like, at least he's not wearing jeans or whatever. At Chili's, might be a you have job. to wear jeans. At Chili's, in a t-shirt, is it a t-shirt? Strictly states, yeah, it's strictly states like dark blue jeans and a t-shirt, not black jeans, not acid wash jeans. They have to be dark blue and a company provided t-shirt. But I argue for the OCD is so hard that I wear cargo pants and a hoodie every day, and they don't say shit. That is so god tier. That is so fucking cool, Bear. That is my favorite thing ever. I don't even... So, I've had customers think I'm a customer because I don't even look like I'm working there. I'm just walking in the back looking like a madman. <laughs> so, I want to know... Obviously, don't disappear on us again. We need to know if you get the job at the Honda dealership and you can celebrate the Honda days. I mean, that's probably going to be... That's probably going to make like a lot more than at Chili's, right? It, okay. This is, if you guys want to know how broke I am, I will, I'm going to disclose some uh, actual numbers here. If I get oh, the I job like at the that. Honda dealership, I will go from making 20000 a year to 31000 a year. And that's such <laughs> a massive well, jump to me that my mind is fucking blown. It's crazy, though, that like car maintenance. Are you doing, because my brother did this years ago detailing are you doing detailing or are you doing like oil changes no i'm doing like oil tire brakes and uh transmission fluids and like battery and stuff so okay anything that doesn't actively involve um like line replacement i will be doing okay okay that shouldn't be too that shouldn't be too hard oil change probably the hardest thing you're gonna have to do there and uh that's probably not too bad i mean tires kind of a pain in the ass you know but we can all do that the huge uh, especially bonus, with the air tool the huge bonus for me is uh fucking I, I fucking loved my 2000 honda civic and i actually when my dad decided to scrap it i kept the like clicker thing for it and so i still have it even though i don't have the car 
And so when I went in for the job interview the fir- for the first interview, it's probably like the cheesiest move I've ever pulled in a job interview. They asked me why they should hire me. And I pulled my little keys out of my pocket. And I started to tear up a little bit, holding the clicker and talking <laughs> about how dearly I love this car. And they were Bear, like, goat. and they were like, we'll call you in two days with a follow up. <laughs> that is incredible bear. That is you. You are the greatest job interviewer, I think. Cause I would have never thought to cry, but I get the tears crying. I actually was watching man cow videos today. I'll probably be playing this on Shocktober this week where he cried twice. Uh, fake cried though. It was oh. not real crying, but, uh, yeah, he he's crying. Uh, that is so fucking funny bear. That is excellent. If you, if you can cry on command, it is a baller move to pull out during job interviews. <laughs> it's a baller move to pull out like really anytime you could i mean that's another like because you don't want to be yelling at cashiers but like maybe if you cried at them you know what i mean like oh god i i just this is i don't know what else they'll give you your stuff for free like crying can get you especially crying in front at least for me like Anytime somebody cries in front of me, I just want them to have whatever it is that they wanted. And I want them to not cry in front of me. Like, that's all I want is don't cry in front of me. Fuck it. You got the job. <laughs> it's probably what I would have said. Yeah. I am I'm uh, so uncomfortable. Literally from like, I, I, I got a buddy that works there and he was like, I don't know what the hell you did, but basically all you got to do is pass a drug test which I can do for the first time in my life. Oh, you wait, you you're yeah. But then you can start getting like really on drugs, you know, cause you'll be making an extra $11,000 a year. I can't believe car maintenance. People only make $31,000 a year. I mean, it's going to be a lot yeah. more money. It's probably gonna be an extra hundred bucks, but it feels like that feels to me like a $20 an hour job to me. It, I'll be making 15 an hour. Not bad. Not bad. I feel like it should be a little bit more. I still feel like it should be a little bit more than like what is the accepted sort of minimum wage now, which is $15 an hour. And in Columbus, I'm seeing a lot of places hiring for $18 an hour now. And uh, I'm just surprised that, but you're in a smaller part, like you're in a place with a lower cost of living and also you're not in a major city. That's true. I do live in bumfuck Georgia, which is the best part of Georgia, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, I love it down there. It's warm all year. So, well, Bear, I got, I got, I actually calls hate in that. The queue. <laughs> I, that's the thing yeah. I like. I would go warm. But I got, I got callers here. I want to thank you for calling. It's good to hear from you and keep us posted on your crying job. Your job at the crying factory. Hell yeah. All right. Have a good night. Have a good night, man. Hear from you. God, Bear is fucking funny. Bear Bear does not fuck around when it comes to getting a job. You know? Also, Bear has said that they actually will take any job in the world. So let's pick up this next call. Next call. 
Hey, hey, you're talking to Brian. Brian Who am this, I talking to? Brian, this is Craig from the Acid Horizon podcast, and I'm also on Zero Books. What's up, man? What is up? How are you? What is the has at? Uh, sorry. Acid, people know that I'm a flubber, uh, especially lately when I'm talking <laughs> about small green men um, from Star Wars, that small green man from Star Wars that I fucked his name up several times but uh so what what's up what do you guys do um we do a left theory philosophy podcast um also Ooh. right now i'm the content coordinator for zero books and uh you know you i i the reason that i called in tonight is you know i've been listening to street fight radio for a long time and you were one of the inspirations for me to get into podcasting and now we're doing pretty well and I'm kind of doing this in a full-time capacity right now because the guys like you. So I just wanted to give you a huge shout out for that. That's, that's really fucking cool. I, I mean, like, I always think about that with like, uh, uh, with me, it's like, if I could like talk to the people that, that, uh, uh inspired me, well, I wouldn't want to talk. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't mind talking to like Howard Stern. <laughs> you know but i wouldn't want to talk to opie and anthony <laughs> right. or anything um but yeah right. the people that inspired me were were like those guys doing like radio so it's really exciting that like or for me a lot of times that, that the idea that we kind of uh inspired by some of the nastiest shit in the world kind of helped to create a help to create like a new way of doing radio. Also, I love theory. I'm a theory boy. I read a lot of theory. I got to ask you, I don't know if you've read it. Yeah. Is it about reading sure. theory or is it about making your own? Well, I mean, typically we're, we're just reading older texts. Most of the guys who are on our show are typically working in like a lot of French post-structuralist theory, anarchist theory. Uh, we do a lot of stuff on Marx too. Um, but actually I, I have my master's degree in philosophy and I, I did more of the analytic strain of philosophy, which is something that people don't, maybe they don't know about me, but actually that's the tradition that I, I've come from. But behind the scenes, I ran, you know, I read more of the continental theory and then you know, the more radical stuff too. Yeah. I, uh, the thing that really, I don't know, got me where I am politically now. And, and uh, the reason I talk a lot about stuff, uh, I don't talk about this often, but when I was in college, I had, I, I got a sociology degree. Um, but oh, right on. like, so I took a shit ton of sociology and stuff. And one of my teachers had me read, uh, this Pierre Bourdieu book, uh, oh, right. Distinction, okay. I think. And mm. that thing fucking blew my mind. It, it changed, it changed everything for me. It, it literally like I was one way the day before I read it. And I was another way the day after like, and everything I do is filtered through reading that book. And, uh, uh, yeah. when it was, I was so in, important. Yeah. When I was in, when I was in community college, uh, I mean, I knew that I was going to get in, into something, you know, related to theory and, and what have you. But on the last day of my introduction class, the teacher pulled me aside and said, here, I want you to take this. And she just gave me the Marx Engels reader right there. 
And I mean, it probably <laughs> sat on my bookshelf for like two or three years before I picked it up. But on that day, she gave me a rundown. Here's just, she basically just gave me a list of names, Michel Foucault and so on and so on. And she just like went down the list. And so that when I ran across these things in college and in bookstores and stuff, I was already primed for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that I had been looking for a way. I think I'd been spending a lot of time looking for a way that like what I was because I, I, I started college to do political science because I had recently kind of gotten interested in, in electoral politics and shit like that. And, uh, uh, I, I had just, it, it had kind of turned into this thing where I was like, yeah, I, uh, uh, I care about politics. So I'm going to go for political science. I took two political science classes and I was like, nah, this isn't, this actually wasn't what I was talking about, <laughs> what I wanted to do. So I finished my community class, my community college courses. And I decided to go to Ohio State as an English major because I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I wanted to like, I, I wasn't ready to admit that like, I really just wanted to be doing sociology. And uh, then mm -hmm. I took one theology class during that semester as an English major. And that's the book we read. We read the, uh, we didn't read the whole book. We read excerpts from Distinction. And I, I like mm. the, the teacher kind of explained uh, habitus to me, your, your habitus, which is a word that he kind of came up that, <laughs> that is like uh, uh, that, that he kind of came up with that is like basically describes like you in a way. Uh, uh, Jason, there's a spammer in there wanting to date me online. But it, it was how, <laughs> how you how you project yourself to people and what that says about your mm. politics. And like, uh, mm. it, it, it kind of blew me away because I had been in this place where like for a lot of my life, I'd been acting, mm. uh, I had been acting in a way that wasn't consistent with me and that like, I really wanted to be like the guy that like, you know, reads literature and, and knows all about it. And the guy that like, uh, uh, is just like super and like an intellectual that, that like is into like experimental film and stuff like that. But every experimental <laughs> right. film I saw, pretty much every indie movie I saw, I one didn't understand two didn't like, I hated it. I was like, this fucking sucks. And like, um, hearing that was like, I'm doing this because I'm trying to project that I am high class and, uh, I literally don't care if I'm high class. You know what I mean? Like, and once I read that, it just changed everything about me, you know? So when, when you were in community college, you and I are about the same age, I'm 45 and, uh, I'm like, you didn't get marked in a community college or, and, and surprisingly, when I completed my bachelor's degree, I didn't, I didn't do any of that in political theory. I, I mean, we were doing other stuff. Uh, we were doing Heidegger of all things, the fucking Nazi. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, it wasn't until after college that that came, you know, into my life. And, and I think it had something to do with kind of the sign of the times maybe, and maybe where we grew up. And, and that's also perhaps the reason why, 
my anthropology teacher just kind of like gave it to me under the desk. Like here, we, we can't teach this stuff here, but take it home with you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Mochi in the chat said, Brian hated garden state. Thank you. I did hate garden state. I bought it though. <laughs> I bought, I bought all those movies to put on DVD to display in my living room. What DVDs I was like, that I was more intelligent than a cable guy. If, if, if that makes any sense, <laughs> is that like, I'm a cable guy. I, I install cable and I have this thing in my mind where whenever somebody sees a cable guy, he would have, he has to like, you know, be into fucking sports and like all this stuff, which I am into sports, but I was hiding that too. And like, I just didn't want to be what I was. And uh, uh, mm. I was trying to tell people that I'm not that. This isn't me. I'm just a guy that, like, I'm really intelligent for a cable guy. You know, like, I wanted people to think that. And it, it took me one semester of college to, like, really, like, to, to talk about pop culture as, like, a way that we display to talk about pop culture as a way that we display our politics and our place in life was that was mm. what really that that Bordeaux did that really hit me because I couldn't ever figure it out and then as soon as I heard it it's like absolutely like if I go around and tell people that I like the Fast and the Furious they're gonna think I'm just some normal mm. idiot guy and then like I I I uh uh so I didn't do that. I told people I liked other stuff and I displayed other stuff in my home. And uh, it was just so important to me to hear that, like, no, you're programmed. Like, you're kind of programmed to do that. You know, my parents were very much like, uh, my parents were really funny in that they didn't want us to say the word ain't because they thought it made us look like white trash. And like, uh, so my parents hate <laughs> They really hated our our station in life as like this kind of lower to mm. middle a middle class to lower middle class family. They they wanted to be high up there. So I was I was always sort of in that same elite trying to be an elitist when I was broke as fuck. I was going to the payday advance place every two weeks. I, you know what I mean? There was just so much big Hal Donnie right. house here. <laughs> hey, I'm talking to you at noon tomorrow brother um yeah so i i think i just bored you no, no there. but that was as boring as possible no, that, that's cool though i mean my my dad he he worked in the steel industry my mom was on and off in like waitress jobs they had no clue what i was getting into there's just no context for them to understand what it was and 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 i mean clearly some some of these professors are ushering in radical ideas through the back door at least in the late 90s they were uh, at least the ones that I had encountered. And, um, you know, and, and, and I, I've actually taught philosophy in, in, uh, in the prison. And uh, the, mm. the thing that I like about it is I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who, if I get the sense that people think there's a kind of an elitism, you know, behind the theory or the concept, I, I want to port them away from that. And I want to honor for example, like, you know, like you like the Fast and the Furious, you know, we all have these pleasures, guilty or not. It's like, that's part of, I, I don't 
the need to like sort of honor this sort of like elitist trend, you know, that that happens in, in academia. In fact, I'd, I'd much rather vibe with the person who's into the Fast and Furious in the fucking video games and and like this one book by Pierre Bourdieu. That That's my vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I sort of, you know, I obviously had to read a ton of shit to get the degree, but that was the thing that fucking hit me like super fucking hard I, I read a lot of capital and 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 uh orientalism by edward said was a big fucking deal for me it, like that's another one that made me see the world in a way uh you know what book really made me see the world in a different way and uh you've i guarantee you've read it it's so hacky but uh things fall apart by chinua achebe you know that have you read that yeah i've only read a bit of it not the whole thing, but like an excerpt. It's completely, I, it's been out forever. So, uh, I don't want yeah. people to be like, uh, uh, don't spoil it, but it is like, I don't know, like it changes how you look at history when you, mm. when, when you see this, cause the, the gist of the book is like all this shit happens in the book. And then on the fucking last page of the book, it is, uh, this guy's taught, uh, I mean, this, this guy you've been following in a book is like dying this hero's death and, and all this <laughs> shit. And then at the end of the book, they say, and it was one sentence in a history book written by white people. Like this guy's whole life <laughs> that was so fucking important only ended up being one sentence that was that was written in by colonists who came there to sort of take his land and like that was where that was where it really clicked for me that that like uh history is subjective um if if hit, that history was su subjective because i don't think i understood that i i really thought history was an objective thing that uh uh mm -hmm. you you kind of learn the facts of it and that you can't fake that you know and then i learned from that book right. was just like oh shit. i made my daughter my, i didn't make i don't make anybody do shit my daughter read things fall apart and so did my wife and they were just fucking blown away by it mm -hmm. like they they even were like yeah i i mean it, and that's what saeed does too edward saeed does is is like makes you think like oh, fuck man yeah. everything i've been and taught my whole life is is slanted one way yeah if if you ever have the hankering to get back into theory labor kyle who's a good friend of mine and, and the podcast is in the chat talking about saeed and france fanon i'm not sure if you've read wretched of the earth but the no. first essay in that will just fucking destroy you on violence yeah i'll have to i'll have to read it i haven't in a long time read pretty much anything I, I am like, uh, way more of an idiot than I was before the pandemic. Uh, but I do have to read some <laughs> stuff. So I, I would love to do that. Um, well, I gotta well, get this you know, last, you know, call. What? Well, oh. well, I'll just go say ahead. before I go, um, I'll, I'll stay in touch with you. Maybe we'll just like read an essay. Sometime you pop on the podcast, you give us your two cents and, uh, we'll go through it or, or we'll have you on zero books right now. I'm the content coordinator for them. And uh, we can do a little profile of the show and uh, talk some theory. I would love it. Uh, let me know. Now, 
I'm going to warn you, I'm doing this on the air. I don't know why. Uh, I'm taking a month off in December, so I have to record 14 extra podcasts on top of the ones that I'm doing. So, but mm -hmm. I think I can probably make what? time. I'm just doing like five, five to six podcasts for Street Fight a week so that I can have time off. <laughs> but I'll, right. I'll come. Yeah, no, you just, I'm doing, let me know. I'm speed running podcasts right now, too, so that I can have two weeks off at the end of the year. But we'll do something in January or February. See, it was the, the thing with me. The reason it's a month is because last year I took a month and it was really nice. And this year I have a lot of work to do uh, that I've been putting off since August. So there's a bunch of things I oh, got to get done shit, you know, to check off my list. I, I just thought. I just thought of something. Have you read Roland Barthes' essay in the book Mythologies yeah. on wrestling? Mm -hmm. Let's yeah. do that. That's yeah. what we got to do. Yeah, that'll be solid. All right. Well, let me know. Get a hold right, of me. Brian, and hey, I, I'm in. Yeah. Thank you for calling. Right, cool. Hey, it was Acid great Horizon to Podcast. To yep. It was great to finally talk to you. Big ups to you. And you've been an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. All right, we're gonna pick up this last right, call. I'm gonna go lay in my bed probably, and I've been watching horror movies this weekend. We watched Barbarian, we watched Pearl, and uh, last night we watched Nope. If I had to pick. It's very hard for me to pick what my favorite one was. Uh, I liked Pearl quite a fucking bit. Like I, I, I loved poor, uh, Pearl. And I liked Barbarian and Nope, but I have to say Pearl is Pearl's my favorite one I watched. What an incredible fucking movie. I, I liked X too, uh, but I, I just thought Pearl was great. And I like what they were doing with that movie. And I will definitely be there for the last, for the sequel to X, the Maxine. And uh, I'm very excited for it. I love that movie. But but. But uh, it's funny, my wife fucking freaked out. Um, my wife like is so weirded out by Barbarian. Like, it's very, very possible that we don't stay in an Airbnb ever again. <laughs> All right, let's get this last call in. I'm gonna go to bed. All right, last caller. What is who am I talking to? Hey, it's uh, Sean in LA. What's up, buddy? What's up, Sean? How are you? Good. Uh, AKA Jerry on Twitter. Uh, shock Jock reply, dude. What's going on? <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, I got the I got the Macho Man avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Shock Jock head. Nice, nice. So uh, you've been checking out Shocktober this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's, uh, the it's Bob crazy. and Tom yeah, Bob episode. Bob and Tom just was just... Oh, God. Fuck, man. Might be my favorite Shocktober oh. episode, but the show was terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. Dude, like the... the um, the Brokeback Mountain references and that just really just nasty mid 2000s, just ho like homophobia and the toast song. It just, man, took me, it what really a took weird me back time. time. 
What a weird yeah. time it was that like, like Brokeback Mountain is this movie that came out that was very good and like people really enjoyed it. Right. And every single comic had to have like a take on it and they were all like nasty yeah. like none of them were like ah, i just thought it was a, i mean i think at the time i was listening to ron and fez and i don't think they were super nasty about it and i think ron liked no. it no. um but yeah. as far as like all the other guys and like i said this 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 milk toast bob, bob and tom is for lack of a better term uh very milk toast show and yeah. uh uh yeah, i was yeah. so shocked to hear that yeah, especially a, if you compare it of... i'm sorry sorry about that especially if you compare it to the other stuff that we play where it's like okay this is supposed to be the nice version like the 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 thing where i would say like see it's possible to be a shock jock without you know being nasty and it's like i maybe it's not maybe it's actually not possible to be a shock jock without being nasty yeah and that like i was in high school in the mid 2000s around that time and that was um they are they have the pastiche and like the aesthetic of just uh, like middle America, just blah, you know, very average kind of morning zoo. I think, I think Chris kind of alluded to, they sound like morning zoo guys. Uh, they sound like somebody that uh, Opie and Anthony would uh, stick their fans on to go during Jocktober, you know, um, real vanilla. You know, that didn't happen. I'm going to tell you why that didn't happen. Because bob and tom is uh, because bob and tom isn't like like uh uh a show that they can fuck with it's not like a a it's True. i'm trying to think of how to put this like True. that bob and tom at that time is doing way fucking better than opie and anthony at the time yeah. of jocktober if that makes sense like opie oh, and anthony are 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 just on xm they never fucked with anybody who had super high ratings i guess like stern but it was hard to get in to the stern show like to call in and uh i mean the funny thing is is like bob and tom is kind of a show that they could have i don't know i i wonder if they picked the shows that were going to have their fans sick them on so that like they were shows that it wouldn't happen back to them so when you're shitting on a morning zoo on like a easy listening station and then you call and you goof on the host of of this morning zoo or or this light rock station it, it like their listeners aren't gonna call back and then they would sort of say like yeah right right and they would say oh they don't want to call you know what i mean oh they didn't want to fuck they were too scared to call or one person would call in and say like what's going on and they would act like ah see we let them all in but like the only show i've ever heard of of all of the shows that i cover to not have phone screeners is bubba the love sponge the rest of them all had good phone screeners and again opie and anthony weren't going to pick fights with people that were 
way more popular than them. Yeah, oh, their their whole their entire mo was punching down. I mean, Op Op they were such cowards, and they, well, they still are too. And uh, I'm just, I've been listening to a lot of Bobo clips. I don't know if you're, you're familiar, but uh, yeah, oh yeah, my God, man, some some of those are are with in 2022 are brutal to listen to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're 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 sort of thing was punched down but i mean all of it was that too you know like stern was also True. kind of punched down and and like all those guys did oh that. Yeah, yeah uh and i just think most comedy did that at that time too the the notion yeah. of of punching up is so fucking new at this point i think you know obviously there are a lot of people in here that listen to this show or that are in the chat that that would have been on the right side of things and and thought that the comedy was all a little too you know homophobic or racist or whatever but like uh you know i would say there's probably a lot more people who if they're at least white straight and male and probably had a lot of that like enjoyed a lot of that stuff when it was happening because you know nobody ever the 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 phrase punch down i just never heard it ever and until you know five years ago and then i you know i once i learned what it was i was like oh yeah i don't i i don't think i want to punch down and uh that's what taught me how kind of to shake that whatever that idea of Opie and Anthony was. But I think I've said this on Shocktober a few times. I mean, I set out to make leftist Opie and Anthony and I failed at it and made something else. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, 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 no. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in Florida, North Florida too. And the super hillbilly part of it is this, just the shitty conservative part and uh, one of the shows that was big around there, I don't know if you've ever listened to, do uh, you, you ever listen to any Lex and Terry stuff? Uh, I, yes, I know who Lex and Terry are. Uh, I don't think I've yeah. ever gone, because I never decided to do their show, but at some point in the future, I think, uh, Lex and Terry might make it. Because after Bob and Tom, uh, that was sort of a revelation that it was like, well, man, you know, maybe some of this stuff is uh, uh, worth looking into. Lex and Terry, though, might not. The, the issue with the guys like Lex and Terry is that you can't find archives of their stuff. Like, there's a lot of people that people oh, yeah. ask me to cover, but, like, if there's nobody, if there's no sort of archive, then I'm, I can't. Right. I can't find the stuff and like so when you google lex and terry you get uh opie and anthony goofing on lex and terry and then i yeah i guess there's a lot of stuff the other issue would be is when when i'm doing a show i also need old clips you know so that's the other thing is i i need like old i need older clips of the show when it was in its heyday and then but they seem like, yeah, I'm looking at their YouTube page. I could probably make something out of Lex and Terry. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. There's a picture of them popping a zit on Lex's taint. So, yeah, I think I could probably figure something out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was super, it was super trashy. It was very regional to, to the south in particular, big in the panhandle, like the Gulf Coast uh, area, super just like biker kind of white trash. Uh, honestly, like not too dissimilar to uh, Bubba, really. It's, uh, they're big in Florida. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think you could. I think you'd have you'd have some raw material to uh, put on the assembly line with them, but uh, I haven't I haven't listened myself in a long time. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for calling. I am going to go to yeah, bed, bud. but please, I hope you like the man cow episode. It'll be out this Friday, and then there, oh, oh, also, as I've said, uh, there's a wrap up this year. So we'll have a wrap up this year. Sweet. Yeah, and tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going for as a uh, dad vibes uh, Fred Durst to Halloween, so I'm excited about that. Nice, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. As hell. We'll have a good have a good time. Hell yeah! Bye. Yeah, buddy. Okay, you. all you, okay, all you ghouls and goblins and creepy crawlies. It's time for me to climb in my bed, snuggle up to my wife, and watch something. And I don't know what it's going to be. It won't be a movie because she's in this thing where she wants to go to bed by 1030. But, uh, and there's nothing to watch anyway. Who fucking cares? But nobody cares what I'm watching. Uh, I will see you all this week. I want everybody to know that the, the, the Thursday show this week is uh, with a comedian named Ryan Williams. He did an album called Manual Labor, for, Manual Labor of Love. It's really fucking good uh you can hear it on spotify and he is very funny and i think you all are really gonna like him ryan williams this week on uh shocktober manual labor of love listen to it it's very good jay do you have a halloween story for the class yeah, yeah. um there was this boy and he lived in his house and um and he went to bed one day up to his head in the dirt and um, he couldn't move and this man came walking along but instead of the man helping him out the man just started kicking him kicking him in his face over and over and then he got the lawnmower